You are listening to Mystery Media Group. Yay! I'm here to tell you a true story that'll make your blood boil. Listener discretion is advised. Please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Hi, I'm Cozy, and you're listening to Not So Cozy Crimes. In Salmon Chalice National Forest, Jessica Mitchell called 911 at 2.28 p.m. to report her two-year-old son, Dior Jr., missing. On July 9th, the family left their home in Idaho Falls and set out for what was supposed to be a fun family camping trip. The trip consisted of Grandpa Bob, Bob's friend Isaac, Jessica Mitchell, her fiancé Dior Sr., and their two-year-old son, Dior Jr., we're going to call Dior Sr. Bernal because that is what his family called him. And so we don't get the two Diors confused. I originally heard the story because it happened pretty close to where I live. And it was a big thing going on not that long ago when I was actually starting to get into the true crime stuff. So I kind of followed the case a little bit. But the case is crazy confusing just because so many things happened and the story just doesn't add up. So here's the story of what happened to, well, what they say happened to Dior Jr. Isaac decided to go fishing on his own. Jessica and Vernal went fishing somewhere else. Dior Jr. was left at the campsite with his great-grandpa Bob. Jessica and Vernal got back to the campsite in the early afternoon, but Dior Jr. was not there. He was supposed to be there playing with Grandpa Bob. Jessica, frantic, asked Bob, where is Dior? And Bob immediately says, what do you mean? I thought he went fishing with you guys. Jessica, Vernal, and Bob searched around the campground for about an hour. They decided to check all the nearby areas before calling 911, but right away, a search and rescue team was sent out to help search for the missing Dior Jr. When Jessica left Dior, he was wearing blue pajama pants, loose cowboy boots, and a camel print jacket. The sheriff was pretty confident that they would find Dior and assured Jessica that when kids as young as Dior go missing or wander off, they are usually not that far and about 75% are found within a fifth of a mile. The search and rescue team searched the creek first, as that is where a kid could possibly drown. However, they found absolutely no sign of him there. Drowning was not completely off the table, as that was not the only body of water near the campground. They are now concerned with Stone Reservoir, so they send out a search and rescue team along with a dive team to go search that area. Just like the creek, they didn't find anything. 12 hours, 172 searchers later, along with a helicopter and some canines, it started to get really dark and they had to end the search for the night. The next day, they started up and early for another full day of searching for two-year-old Dior. For some reason, law enforcement suspended volunteer searchers just after 48 hours. A press release later confirmed that they did not want any volunteers to get lost or hurt in this large search area. That is why they are no longer allowing volunteers to help. Around the same time, tracking canines picked up on a scent. The scent was near Stone Reservoir. Unfortunately, the search and rescue area was actually contaminated. Supposedly earlier in the day, or they thought that day, but they actually had no idea, 
Someone had scattered the remains of a loved one around the area, so that is what the scent was that the dogs were picking up on. The sheriff's department admitted to not securing the property correctly. Knowing this led them in the wrong direction and wasted precious time. Every second counts when looking for a missing child. They started to think of other scenarios as there was no sign of Dior anywhere. The scenarios included wild animals or maybe an abduction. The wild animal scenario got ruled out very quickly as they would have found some sort of remnants of clothes or maybe some blood, but there was none of that nearby. On July 30th, FBI offered their assistance. The family also heard from a private investigator named Frank and Frank offered his assistance. Frank set up his own tip line and started interviews right away. After a week of Frank's help, the only possible theory was that Dior was kidnapped. The whole time, police never really thought of kidnapping as a possibility because there's only one road in and one road out of Timberlake Campground. Cars, ATVs, everything that would have made kidnapping a possibility made noise, and the family had already told investigators that they never heard anything like that on the one road in or out and it was very unlikely that a kidnapper had not used an ATV or car and took off on foot. Even though the police don't think this is a huge possibility, Frank assures him that this is a strong theory and he even had a suspect. The morning of Dior's disappearance, Jessica and Dior had run to the local grocery store and Jessica tells Frank that there was a creepy old man staring at her and Dior. The man was creepy enough that it made her very uncomfortable and she even left the grocery store early. She described him as being in his late 50s with long white hair that curled at the bottom. Jessica even said she noticed he drove a black Jeep Rubicon. Frank's tip line got a call from a woman in the local area. This woman had taken her kids out on a hike when she saw a man looking at them. She said he was looking too closely at her kids. Her description of the guy matched the same description as a creepy guy Jessica had seen at the grocery store right down to the black Jeep Rubicon. Frank shares this story and this information with police and the FBI. They take it seriously and hope that this is the breakthrough that might solve this case. They find the owner of this Jeep Rubicon and bring him in for questioning. He said, yes, I am friends with the manager of that local grocery store. However, I was not there the day that Dior went missing. And he even had an alibi that checked out. So now investigators felt like they were back exactly where they had started. Jessica and Vernal stay cooperative and even agree to take polygraphs. As months pass by, Jessica and Bernal and the town do a great job at keeping the case in the public eye. In the middle of September, social media exploded when a picture of a little boy was found in California. This little boy was missing and happened to look a lot like Dior. His age and height and everything added up. The Idaho police made the call to Orange County. Unfortunately, before the police had even called, the boy had been claimed and was reunited with his frantic mother. After just six weeks of working on Dior's case, Frank up and left. Jessica and Vernal had to hire another PI. This new PI's name was Philip. In January, Frank, the old PI, posted his resignation letter online. This made social media explode once more. I'm gonna post audio of that letter here, and you might recognize the voice as Britt from Crime Junkie. I was very excited when Crime Junkie did this episode because I'm a huge Crime Junkie fan and I was very familiar with this case. I could only find somebody else reading this on YouTube, and his voice was not nearly as, as nice as Britt's, so here's Britt from Crime Junkie reading that letter that Frank had posted online of why he left the case, and this is why social media exploded. 
Dear Dior and Jessica, as I previously informed you today, via my text to your cellular telephone at 8.31 a.m., I am withdrawing from the investigation because of circumstances beyond my control, including, but not limited to, a breach of trust on your part concerning your refusal to allow me to make this case national. I am perplexed as to why you did not want me to advertise the $20,000 award. I was willing to put up personal funds in the hope that the public could provide information leading to the whereabouts of your son. When I agreed to assist you, I informed you that I would work for my out-of-pocket expenses. I was willing to forego my normal hourly fee. My stipulation was that both of you would be absolutely truthful. I told both of you that if I felt that you were not telling the truth, stalling me, or otherwise misleading me, that I would withdraw from the investigation. In my professional opinion, both of you lied and misrepresented the true facts that could solve the mystery of your missing son. There are other aspects of this case that I cannot go into at this time, but simply put, I believe the searches will all be non-productive. The searches are only used by you to cover the possible crime that one or both of you may have committed. My suggestion is that you fully cooperate with the Lemhi County Sheriff and tell the truth. I do not appreciate the fact that one or both of you are spreading rumors that you have paid me. I have not received reimbursement to cover my expenses. I also feel that you are exploiting the public for financial gain. How can you live with yourselves? Sooner or later, the truth will come out. Soon after Philip, the new PI, started his investigation, he also started to have his suspicions of Jessica and Vernal. The reason that Philip had these suspicions is because Jessica and Vernal had actually failed multiple polygraphs throughout this entire investigation. Vernal became extremely defensive and lied to Philip about his polygraph results. I'm going to insert a clip of Vernal talking to one of Philip's team members. from the case by Vernal right after this conversation. Even though Philip is not working with a family, he continued to look into this case. January of 2016, police agreed with Philip and Frank's suspicions, and they finally made Jessica and Vernal suspects in Dior's case. They decided this because their stories to police and the FBI had kept changing. Every time they told their story, it was different. Not small changes, but very big contradicting changes. They also point out that the only person whose story had not changed was Isaac, and Isaac was the only non-family member. Even Bob, the grandpa, had contradicting stories. Like one time he told investigators that Dior was off to the side playing and then all of a sudden disappeared. But if you remember, in his original statement, Bob said he had no idea and he thought that Dior was with his mom and dad. Was this him lying and being manipulative? Or was this just because he was old and had a bad memory? We'll never know. Philip comes forward and says that Jessica made a comment after a meltdown about knowing where Dior's body was. This turned into a possible homicide case. Philip is not anyone at the time who can do anything, but that is a huge accusation to make. Jessica does deny saying this to anyone, however the police offer her an immunity deal in exchange for telling them where Dior is. July 2016, one year after Dior goes missing, Philip posts a long report on Facebook. In this report, he claims that him and his team had searched the old apartment that Jessica and Vernal had lived in in Idaho Falls. 
They found all the clothes that Jessica had told the police that Dior was wearing when he went missing. Blue pajama bottoms, a camo jacket, and loose cowboy boots. Did Dior even make it to the campground? No one ever even saw him there except for his family, whose stories had been changing. They even asked Isaac, the only person whose story had not changed, but Isaac does swear that Dior was there. This is all one big jigsaw puzzle. What happened to Dior Coons Jr.? This is a production of Mystery Media Group. Yay!